Voice at CES is an official event within the greater CES program, where the world's top brand leaders will share insights about how they are engaging customers through voice-enabled devices in our homes, cars, hotels, and more. To learn more about how you can be a sponsor, a speaker, or attend Voice at CES, visit voicesummit.ai slash CES. That's voicesummit.ai slash CES. Today, you'll hear the president of Edison Research, Larry Rosen, talk about what his company does and how it got started, what the research shows in the recent smart audio report about smart speaker usage, how people are using smart speakers, how they find out new skills, plus thoughts on security, monetization, and why companies should invest in a voice strategy plan. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Kerry Roberts. And today I have Larry Rosen, the president of Edison Research here with us today. Welcome, Larry. Thank you for being here. Hi, Kerry. Happy to be here. So for those that don't know, can you give us a brief description of what Edison Research does and how the company began? Sure. So I'm the co-founder and president of the company. And we started actually 25 years ago. We just recently had our 25th birthday as a company. And we're basically a market research, survey research, polling company. We kind of have two sides to us. We're best known in the wider world as the company that does the exit polls for the television networks on election night. Probably not the topic today, but people do find interesting to learn that when you watch TV on election night, even though NBC says according to our NBC exit poll and CNN says according to our CNN exit poll, there's actually just one exit poll. And uh, we've had this contract with the network since 2003, since the 04 cycle. And we're gearing up to uh, get ready to do the exit polls and the vote count in, uh, for all the primaries and the presidential election next year. But more germane to your topic, our other area of, of specialization is anything to do with audio of any kind. And we work throughout the world and really throughout every part of audio. So we work with radio, we work with satellite radio, internet radio, podcasting very extensively, increasingly with device makers, the music industry, really anything on any level to do with audio, we're doing a lot of research and a lot of study about. And so uh, that's kind of who we are with regard to how we got started. My background was in media research with the specialization in audio. And my partner who co-founded the business with me, his background was at the CBS News Election and Survey Unit. So it's not terribly surprising that we have built a company that does exit polls and audio-oriented research. Yeah, I mean, that's incredibly exciting. And congrats to you on being able to do all of those things for different companies. Can you share with us a little bit of what your research process entails, especially in our area within the audio space? Like I said, we're pretty much a survey research, market research company. We do mostly quantitative research, in other words, surveys or polling. Uh, and that's where you're doing getting representative samples who um, help you understand a market, you know, how many people are engaging in different behaviors or how many people hold certain attitudes, et cetera. And that's what we're doing throughout the audio space, you know, different forms of surveys that help people understand the trends and the changes and all the dynamic things that are going on in the space. We also do quite a bit of what the research world would call qualitative research. That's where, I mean, the best known form of that is focus groups, but that's where you bring people in or you go to them sometimes 
and you talk to them more deeply about things than what happens in a more rigid set survey uh, situation. And so we have a strong specialization there as well. But um, all the things that a typical, I would say, market research, survey research company does. And you guys had the smart audio report come out this past spring of 2019, a few months ago. Can you share some of the findings from it with our listeners who haven't seen it? Sure. Well, the first thing I would say that it's done in partnership with our friends at NPR, who are really the key to the whole thing and been supporting it from the beginning. We've now been doing it for several years. So we have several years of tracking of the smart audio report. And what the smart audio report is, is an attempt to really understand the space that smart speakers in particular are taking up in people's homes or elsewhere, but largely in people's homes. So we're tracking many, many metrics regarding smart speakers, not only how many people have them, but how are people using them? How have they changed their behaviors at the home as a result of having them? How have people who have had them for a long period of time changed what, how they feel about them, et cetera? So it's an ongoing series, not just a single report. And if someone hasn't seen it, they can just Google the word smart audio report. That will take them to NPR's setup website, which will allow them to download the report for free. So it's entirely available to them. So we've been tracking just how many people have a smart speaker. Our most recent estimate as of earlier this year was 21% of people now have a smart speaker. That number is doubtlessly risen through the months since we did that study. We will do another update on that estimate right after Christmas. So uh, we will present the next update in terms of how many people have a smart speaker right for uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in early January. So we'll have a new update coming up then. But as of earlier this year, it was 21% of people. And that's been obviously growing over time, 78% of over the previous report that we had. So you know, very, very fast growth. And then the study is quite long and covers many, many things, which I'd be happy to talk about. If I wanted to highlight a single finding that I thought was perhaps the most interesting, I thought it was rather counterintuitive. As people have smart speakers longer, they actually use fewer skills, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And yet, people who've had them longer also say that they're more satisfied with smart speakers and are happier to have them. And so what this study really seemed to show is that over time, people hone down, they stop playing with it perhaps as a toy, and they hone it down to just using it for the things that are practical and sort of enhance their lives, if you will. In the process of doing that, they actually become more connected to the machines and less able to imagine life without them. I thought that was really a fascinating finding. The longer people have them, the fewer skills they use, but the more they're happy that they have them. Yeah, and going off of that on your study, one of the challenges of smart speakers is finding new voice skills or actions. And the report showed that the top way people discover them is through word of mouth with friends and family. Are you noticing any ways discovery on smart speakers could become easier? I think like anything, if someone really wants to promote the skill and get people to use it, they have to really earn it, do it the old-fashioned way, engage in marketing and advertising, whether it be paid or earned. If someone were to market a skill on, in just general media, you know, by television commercials, by radio commercials, print commercials, and of course, online, Doubtlessly, more people would use that skill, especially if it was a skill that people wanted and thought was interesting and if the advertising worked. One pure example is that various radio companies have indeed 
promoted their skills just to, you know, hey, listen to us. You can listen to us by asking Alexa or asking Google Home to play their stations. Our friends at NPR, the people behind the Smart Audio Report, have done many very clever things with skills. One thing in particular is the show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is their weekly news quiz show that runs on the weekends, has created functionally a home version of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So instead of just listening to the show, you can actually participate in the show using the uh, Wait, Wait, Smart Speaker skill. And how have they promoted it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, on the radio show and on the podcast? And they've really achieved very significant numbers doing that. So it seems to me that if you want people to use your skill, you can't just hope that they think to ask for it on their own. You know, you're going to have to earn it in all the various ways that people have always earned customers for any kind of product. Yes, I think that's a wonderful point to make. And as you said, NPR is great. And the show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, is phenomenal. I have not tried their skill yet, but I will be trying it after our call. 21% of Americans, you said, own a smart speaker, but you've also said in the report that 69% say they don't know enough about their smart speaker to use all of its features. What is it that people should know or want to know about smart speakers? I just think that there's tens of thousands of skills or ways that they could be used. And it kind of speaks back to the last point is that people just don't know what they don't know. So I think they don't realize all the different ways that they could use their smart speaker. I think people have a very good sense that you can ask it questions. Who won the MVP award in baseball in 1963 or something like that? And both the Alexa and Google Home will handle questions like that with great ease. They know they can ask for music. And in fact, that's the single thing they do the most. They know they can ask for you know, silly stuff like jokes and, and things of that nature. They can literally just talk to it for companionship. But like I said, they sort of just don't know what they don't know. They don't know all the things they could be doing with it. I don't think it's the job of the devices necessarily to figure that out. Although both Amazon and Google send out regular marketing pieces. Here's some of the things you could do every week. But um, it's just that people have this nagging sense that they have these things. And like you said, 69% of them are saying, I know there's more that could be done, but I literally just don't know what those are. So to me, it, it all falls back on the people who created those skills to push those things into people's minds. Now, from the research, there seems to not only be a lack of understanding on why to have a voice speaker, but also a security concern. What are your thoughts on this, especially since it's been said that our phones already have a lot of our information? It is quite interesting that even people who have them, even people who use them, express a certain level of concern about how the information that they're giving to these companies might be used. One of the biggest obstacles to people who don't have them acquiring them is this fear of a machine listening to them. And frankly, some of the negative PR that uh, Apple and Amazon and Google have had over what's happening to these recordings, I think plays into those fears. Again, if you go to that report and there's videos you can watch on the site as well, and we talk to people about it, the people who have them seem to have sort of come to terms with the fact that they're listening and hoping that until or unless they invoke the wake word that the information is being discarded. But by the same token, people are saying, again, if you watch these videos, you'll hear people say it, words to the effect of, well, I'm not really saying anything that's problematic. I don't like the idea that people are, could be listening, but it's not really that big a deal, perhaps. So it is an issue. And I compare it, I think the challenge on the device makers and the service providers 
is very similar to the situation that existed about 10 years ago or a little more with credit cards. I mean, it's not that long ago where the notion of putting your credit card information on the internet, making any purchase of any kind with a credit card on the internet was considered about the stupidest thing you could possibly do. And it was the challenge of electronic retailers and of the credit card companies to overcome that, right? To get people to understand that they had put the security features in place that would allow you to do that and feel comfortable with the process. And I think that's kind of where Amazon and Google and Apple and others now sit, which is they have to show people that they can be trusted with this kind of information and that they're not going to misuse it and they're not going to abuse it and people aren't going to regret it. I think the privacy concerns are completely legitimate on people's part. And until or unless those companies can assure people that they're handling this information in a responsible manner, they are going to limit the upside of these very devices that they're trying to sell. It makes a lot of sense. It's something I hear quite often. And I know people in the voice community that say, you know, our phones have a lot more than we realize. You know, we're so concerned about these smart speakers but that our phones are tracking quite a bit and we're not aware of it as well. One interesting question we asked first in the 2017 Smart Audio Report, and then we asked it again this year, and we asked it to people who do not own a smart speaker but are interested in getting one, is this a reason you're not getting one? You worry that hackers could use smart speakers to get access to your home or your personal information. Just two years ago, 41% of people said that that was a reason they weren't getting one. And that number rose to 63% two years later. So it became a bigger reason that people said they were thinking of not getting them. Again, that shows that the onus really is on Apple and Amazon and Google to communicate assurance and to exhibit assurance if they want more people to get them because the level of worry has increased quite a lot over two years. It definitely makes sense. In an NPR article written last fall, your senior vice president, Tom Webster, noted that smart speakers provide an unobtrusive way for entertainment and technology to be used without having to be focused on a phone or earbuds that shut you out of society. Can you talk a little bit about why this is important when it comes to why a brand or a company should be investing in audio and a voice strategy? One of the exciting things that we found in our research about smart speakers is that they're very often used in a communal setting. That, you know, if you have a smart speaker in your kitchen and you're cooking dinner, if someone else is in the kitchen with you, you are listening together to music or whatever you're listening to on the smart speaker. There's any number of examples of people. And I think it is exciting in that people are sort of gathered around it in a way, in the sense of old time radio, if you will, and that people are using it together. Often audio is thought of as a very solitary experience, and these seem to be making it more of a communal or, or group experience. And so I do think that has implications for skills and, and things that people might want to uh, develop. And I think it has application to really anybody, advertisers who are working, uh, say, with streaming companies or working on skills, et cetera. I think the notion that people are listening together in many cases uh, does change the way you think about it as compared to the way one typically thinks about, say, radio listening or Lord knows that what people listen to on their phones, it's just them and their earbuds, et cetera. So I do think it really changes the dynamic in many cases. 
Yeah, I never thought about that before. And I like that you're making that comparison to way back when, when people used to gather around the radio and listen to it, maybe at dinner or have people over. And it wasn't just one person having that experience. Exactly. Now, another big question people have is how do I monetize with voice? Is there any research or thoughts that you have on this topic? Well, what starts to get the chain down to monetization is usage, right? So unless people are using your skill or using voice to get to your products or or your services or whatever you're trying to uh, get out there, you can't even start that monetization funnel. So it definitely starts with usage. I will be completely honest and say that this is not an area of particular expertise for me in terms of all the strategies that people are using to um, make money out of voice, but just the same as a successful SEO strategy will make companies lots of money. If if you think of it in the strict Google sense, people are doing lots of different forms of search with their voices. And whether it's through Amazon or through Google or through Apple or however they're doing it, it's a new way for people to explore and a new way for people to learn about products and services. So um, it definitely has that opportunity for people, but it all starts with usage, which is really more where our research has been focused. Now, if people want to learn more about you or your company, where can they connect with you either on a website or on social media? You can get to us on Twitter at at Edison Research. And our website is just edisonresearch.com. And we're always happy to talk to anybody about any of these topics. And again, the uh, Smart Audio Report is available on the NPR website. So just Google for that and you'll find it there. But we also have lots of other research on the Edison website that might be of interest to your listeners. Great. And the last question I have for you is, why do you think voice matters? Well, it's just very natural, especially for many, many people. You know, it's, if nothing else, it's often so much more efficient than tapping something with your thumbs or your index finger into your phone or, or even onto a computer keyboard. But it's just the natural way that people communicate with each other. And so as these apps become so similar to having a back and forth discussion with sentient human being, I just think it's a very natural interface. And as such, I think it will be a, continue to be adopted very, very rapidly. Well, thank you so much, Larry. This has been so informative. And as he said, please be sure to check out his website and the Smart Audio Report. And uh, we look forward to learning more from you in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.